I cruise a lot and I always sail with travel insurance. You should too. Get a free quote today at tripinsurance.com. Here we go. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. A, uh, well, we'll call it kind of a special episode today because as we speak, staff writer Richard Sims and myself are sitting aboard Norwegian Getaway here docked in Port Canaveral, Florida, which is kind of weird because I live like two hours from here and this cruise started in new york so it's kind of uh, all bizarre to me but whatever on this show today we're going to have a review of royal caribbean's mariner of the seas but first as always staff writer richard sims with cruise news hey richard hey doug so yeah it's kind of it's not weird for you because you live up in new york and you're like you know you're coming to florida me i came to new york for the cruise and i'm coming back home to florida yeah it is a little weird it's also a little weird in that they sort of changed our itinerary up a little bit so while we expected to only be in florida for a couple hours and then go to the private island we found out yesterday that uh because of weather and a couple other issues they were actually keeping us overnight in Florida. So we had an overnight in Florida. And then today, instead of going to the private island, we're leaving about four o'clock this afternoon and we'll be going straight to Nassau. So that was a little weird. Uh, Had some people a little upset. I'm on a ship. I'm pretty happy. But also weird because they canceled our stop at Great Stura, but Norwegian Sky is docked there right now with not a cloud in the sky and very flat water. Yeah, and we had a beautiful day here in Florida. And, you know, it's interesting because I have been to Great Stura okay, many, many times. I've never seen them ever have two ships there at the same time. So I can't help wondering if uh, somebody more important than us got invited to go to Great Stirrup K today while we uh, sat in Florida. You know, it's funny, though, because it's also it, it costs Norwegian money to do this because the casino has been closed since four o'clock yesterday afternoon. So that yeah. means they lost, you know, all the revenue they would have had last night from the casino out the windows. So. Yeah, and, and retail shopping too. Well, yeah. speaking of uh, NCL, let's start the news off with NCL. They have detailed more about their upcoming ship, Norwegian Prima. Yeah, this is getting more and more exciting, um, especially if you've been looking at NCL the way I have the last few years. There's been a real distinct sort of uptick in their their quality, and they're sort of aiming at a higher audience, it seems like. You know, when you read through the press releases for the new ship, Prima, which is the first in the Prima class and will be followed by by Viva, they use words like, you know, upscale and uh, it's all of the descriptions of the venues and things are a little trendy, a little hipper and a little, uh, I'm going to venture, I guess, a little pricier than what we've seen on Norwegian. And of course, that already started with the breakaway class. We started seeing some of that with a couple of the venues they added on. In this case, some of the stuff they revealed was one of the things that was most interesting to me is they're introducing a a cocktail bar that is going to feature sustainable cocktails. Now, you can't see me, but right now I'm doing air quotes around the word sustainable because I don't really know exactly what that means. I do know that the the signature drink of the bar is going to be called the Prima Donna, and it's made with rum and surplus banana peels. I'm interested by the word surplus there because, I mean, I think all banana peels are surplus. I don't think anybody really needs <laughs> banana peels, but I'm assuming it's something that they have figured out how to make from you know you, you, they're making the banana cake in the in the for the buffet and they say hey we've got some leftover banana peels what can you do with them let's make a drink okay. so it'll be interesting to see that uh, they also this ship will have a 
much bigger haven. It will be on the back of the ship. But the, the other thing that was kind of cool here was they're introducing a new to Norwegian atrium. This one is going to be three stories tall. In some ways, looking at the pictures and reading about it, it reminded me a little bit about of, of what Carnival has done with Mardi Gras atrium. But in many ways, it's also completely different. So there's a lot to to sort of suss out with all this information that's been coming out the last few days. Uh, we've got a complete article on the site that lists more about the restaurants that they revealed. And, oh, the big thing, I completely, I almost buried the lead here. The big thing. You'll remember a while back, Norwegian Cruise Line sort of reinvented cruise dining when they introduced freestyle. You didn't need a reservation. You could just sort of like go when you want. Well, it looks like they're changing dining again. This time, and this is huge, instead of having rotating uh, menus in the two main dining rooms, they will have fixed menus. Meaning if you are on a seven or 14 night cruise, that menu is going to be the same every night. Now we happen to be in the Haven this week and in the Haven, the menu does stay the same. The lunch menu is the same every day and the dinner menu is the same every day. Maybe they looked at that and saw that as successful and said, let's roll that out, uh, into our main dining rooms. So starting on Viva, which or Prima, which launches in in August, they will be doing set fixed menus in the dining room. And, and if it works out, their plan is that in 2023, they will roll this out across all the ships. Doug, what do you, what do you think of that? I do like the rotating menus as well, but I guess from a business standpoint, I could also see it as it's less, I guess, supplies you have to buy or ingredients rather, not supplies, well, supplies too, to make you know, 15 different versions of a chicken or beef or something like that. Whereas if you can have a set menu with your steak, your chicken, your salad, etc. I Maybe I would like to see like a chef's choice every night. Just one thing unique that changes or differs from night to night. Like, a um, yeah, the special of the day or something. Well, they are also creating on this menu, it'll have a pasta section where you can create your own pasta. And with the various um, combinations of like sauce and pasta and toppings and things, you can make 24 different uh, individual meals out of it. They also are going to set up something where um, if you want to order certain items from specialty restaurants and have them brought to you in the main dining room, you can do that. I, I assume that will be at an upcharge. I think... One of the reasons that this could actually work is that we see more and more people dining in specialty dining. Like we have not we have not on this trip eaten in a main dining room once except for lunch. We've done lunch in the main dining room, but we have not done dinner in the main dining room because there are great specialty restaurants on board. So even if you are on a seven night cruise and they don't change the menu in the main dining room, assuming you eat in a specialty restaurant one or two nights, which most people get with their packages, then, you know, that really only leaves you like three or four nights that you're eating in the main dining room. So if your menu is extensive enough, it seems like you would be able to very easily eat on the same menu for four nights. The one place I see it being a little bit of a problem might be vegetarians. Vegetarians already don't get really great selections on most cruise ships. And if you're not even, if you're only going to have one or two things on that menu, which we don't know how many they'll have, but if you only have one or two and your vegetarians are stuck eating that every night for, you know, seven or God forbid, 14 days, that's a, that's a lot of Indian lentils, which is yeah. what, what the normal, you know, meal is for vegetarians on a cruise ship. So Carnival Cruise Line, they celebrate their 50th 
anniversary on Friday, March 11th. That's their official 50th. But over the past month, they've had these celebration um, cruises. And they had a really big one a couple of days ago where they met up uh, off the coast of Mexico. Yeah, off the coast of Mexico, off of Cozumel, to be specific, they had seven ships meeting up. It was the Ecstasy, the Breeze, the Pride, the Vista, the Glory, the Sunrise, the Mardi Gras. Yes, that's seven. I had to count on my fingers. Again, you can't see my fingers, but I'm using them a lot today. Uh, and, you know, this was part of their ongoing celebration uh, that'll include the introduction of the celebration later this year. They're, you know, they're doing different things on board. They've got um, different merch you can buy, and they're doing menus that feature sort of items that haven't been on the menu for years and years, that kind of thing. So these are sort of special, and I think that they're really aimed at, I mean, obviously anybody on them is going to have a good time, but they're really aimed at people who love Carnival and who really want to help Carnival celebrate this milestone anniversary. So it sounds like a good time. And there's a couple of more meetups happening happening uh, later this week and then over the coming weeks as well, both um, off the coast of Bahamas here on the eastern side and then also um, on the western side with Radiance Panorama and the ships out there of Miracle 2, I believe. And speaking of Carnival, um, two more Carnival ships uh, resume service over the past week. Yeah, this is almost becoming old hat. You know, for a while there, all we had was bad news. And then we might have, you know, one ship returning, one sad lone ship doing a sailing. But now it's it's we're getting to the point where a few months from now, hopefully we will actually stop reporting this because there will not be any more ships to return because they'll all be back. This time it is the Carnival Spirit, which is the first Carnival ship to sail out of Jacksonville since the shutdown. It's also the first major cruise ship to sail out of. They've had uh, what was sailing out of there. Uh, the one that's right over there right now, the uh, little blue ship, the Ocean Voyager, oh, right. that was the American Queen Steamboat Company. That's their river ship for the Great Lakes and all that. But they're currently in Jacksonville doing like six or seven sailings, which randomly were literally docked right next to them right now. I'm looking at them outside the balcony window here uh, in the stateroom, which is kind of cool. But before the shutdown, we had Carnival Ecstasy, right. which is uh, just restarted as well. Yeah. And in fact, Ecstasy is now out of Mobile, Alabama. So, you know, we're seeing more and more of the ports come back to normal, more and more of the ships starting to sail again. And like I said, hopefully soon we won't have to report on this anymore. They'll all be out there sailing and we'll all be on them. Yeah. And speaking of Spirit, we've heard so much about Spirit since they pulled the ship from Australia last month and it came over here. But, uh, you know, Carnival Ecstasy is being sold this year as is Carnival Sensation or leaving the fleet, I should say. And Carnival Spirit is actually going to be sailing in Mobile, Alabama, starting in the fall of next year. It'll be doing six and eight night cruises. So as you said last week, you have to have kind of have a map to keep track of all the Carnival ships. But uh, just one more announcement for a redeployment this week with Spirit going to Mobile in 2023. And an Oasis-class ship also going to be happening here in Port Canaveral for Allure of the Seas. Some news here. Yeah, and what's really unusual about this is, you know, Allure of the Seas is one of the bigger ships in the fleet. Not the biggest, of course. That's the new one. one it was. Bar. It was at one yeah. point because that's the way they do it. Every ship they introduce is just a little bit bigger than the one before it. 
But to, this is a huge ship. It's going to be sailing out of Port Canaveral, and that's not unusual. What is unusual is it's going to be doing three and four night sailings. And, you know, you don't usually see ships of that size with that many people on them doing sh durations or, or sailings of that short a duration. That's usually saved for the smaller ships in a fleet. You know, like Norwegian Gem would do those kind of things. And Royal has many ships that are smaller and would be usually be used for that. So, you know, it's hard to imagine getting on a ship like that and having time to actually get to know it, you know? I mean, we're like three days in to the getaway and we're still sort of getting to know the ship. I mean, I think at this point we know it pretty well, but those those ships with the neighborhoods and, and, and so much going on on them and so many restaurants to try and I don't think I would be satisfied with like a three night trip on it. But maybe they're hoping you're not and you could do a three and four back to back, make it a seven and probably get a little bit more money out of it too. Your itinerary choice is obviously a little more limited, Bahamas probably, and that's pretty a uh, private island. You're not going out to the Cozumel area in a four night cruise from central Florida. But uh, yeah, if you want more time, you could always book a three and a four back to back to make a seven. And it's also, you know, worth noting that right now a lot of people are looking to do shorter cruises, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's because of fear. You know, there's a lot of people out there who are still a little bit nervous about getting back on cruise ships. And, you know, that's everybody's got their own comfort level. But there's also um, we live in a time right now when people don't necessarily have the ability to jump on a ship for a week, let alone 10 days, 14 days. And so I think it's kind of cool that even if you only have that limited time, you only have three days or four days, you can still do one of the big ships that, you know, that don't normally do this kind of itinerary. So it's kind of cool. And our last talking point here, looks like you'll have one more New York City home port advantage. I'm very excited about this. Um, regular listeners will know that um, I personally try only to sail out of New York. I did make an exception for Mardi Gras this year because I really wanted to do that ship. So I flew to Florida. And it's not that I don't like to fly. I just, I think airports are where fun goes to die. And I don't want to get off an amazing week on a ship and then have to go like hang out at the airport for two hours and hope my flight isn't canceled. So I tend to only fly out of New York. And that does sort of limit the ships that you're available, uh, that are available for you to sail. But uh, MSC is going to be starting the Meraviglia. I hope I pronounced that right. And this is kind of big, exciting news. It is not sailing out of my favorite port, which is the one in Midtown Manhattan, but it is going to be sailing out of Brooklyn, and that'll give me a reason to go check out the Brooklyn Terminal, and uh, you've been on this ship, haven't you? Yeah, I love that ship. It's kind of a borrowing some concepts from Royal Caribbean's Quantum-class ships with the in-store promenade, the back kind of 270. They don't call it 270. They call it like the Cirque area or whatever. One thing I will say about this ship, Maravilla, which I've never noticed on any other MSC ship before, even on Seashore a couple of months ago, the new one, tons of outdoor space. I mean, just decks upon decks, really connecting you with the water and also massive pools on board where, you know, the pool on here is kind of tiny yeah. um, for the amount of people on so board. than Virgin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true too, for sure. But yeah, a lot of outdoor spaces and a lot of really cool um, areas to get connected with the water on Miravilla, which is perfect for sail away too, because you have that iconic New York sail away. And pricing wise, um, it doesn't seem too bad. I am booked on Carnival Magic later this year for a five night sailing to Bermuda. So I did sort of a comparable, they have a six night sailing on Meraviglia and I wanted to price that. And it was actually not bad. I think the six night sailing for myself in a studio balcony 
came out to around 1200 with port fees it was like 1500 which you know for a for a five day sailing in a balcony um and it's gonna be a smaller balcony because it's a studio balcony designed for one guest um but still five days for 1500 on a ship like that that's not bad i still have to, i don't understand their drink packages i really have to research that yeah they're they're definitely all over the map and you know how important that is to me yeah. <laughs> and listener question time email yours to doug at cruiseradio.net what is the vibe like this week on norwegian getaway no masks at all back to 2019 or are there still some precautions I don't think I'd say back to 2019, but it's it's pretty surprisingly close to normal. It's worth noting that we're sailing at a massively reduced capacity. I expected us to be around 60%. We're actually sailing below 50%. The ship normally sails with about 4,000 passengers, and there are uh, 1,451 guests, I believe. Or did I get those numbers back? Yeah, 1,451. 1,451, yeah. So that's, that's less than 50%. And it's very noticeable. Now, there are some people on board who don't like that, you know, who like, you know, there's not as much pizzazz to the nightlife, you know, the parties might not be quite as active. And and there are some things that, for example, we have been kind of dying to eat at the Shanghai Noodle Bar all week, and we assumed it would be open on sea days, but it wasn't. It's only open for dinner. Uh, there, So there are some services that definitely you notice are not, either aren't open or aren't up to par, but overall, I mean, there are people who are wearing masks, some people who, you know, I, I the first day wore my mask most of the time. But as I as I settled in and realized how few people there were and how really there is no need for social distancing because you won't come within 10 feet of a person. You won't even see a person. <laughs> when we were on our way to breakfast this morning, we were walking down what is normally one of the busiest areas of the ship by the atrium. And I think we went like 100 yards without seeing another human being. Uh, it's, it's pretty close to normal, I would say. Wouldn't you agree? You can go anywhere you want without a line. And in the Haven seems a little bit busier because, uh, there is like, it is a smaller area, of course, but there's like a bar out here, also a lounge in the courtyard, which seems to be pretty full of this wholesaling so far, you know, we're what, three or four days in. Yeah. And it's worth noting that one of the reasons that the Haven sort of seems more crowded, if you will, than the rest of the ship is, if you think about it, the ship is sailing at less than half capacity. But the Haven is, um, from what I've gathered, talking to our butler, and yes, we have a butler, be jealous. Uh, In talking to our butler, he has sort of pointed out that the Haven is, I believe, sold out. I don't think there are any available um, cabins and certainly not many. So this area, because it's an enclosed area and because it has, uh, it is sold out, it's going to feel more crowded. You know, if they're not going to sell something like to make up the 50% capacity, I guarantee you they are selling the high end rooms in the Haven and they are leaving the lower end rooms in like, you know, the, the, the inside rooms and the ocean views. That's where you're going to find all the empty state rooms. They're going to get as much as they can out of the Haven because that is where the money comes from. You know, if you want to sort of make the stereotypical leap, you can also assume that people who are paying money to stay in the Haven are probably going to spend more um, on, you know, ship experiences, like whether it's in the casino, which is relatively empty, or the specialty restaurants, which you are able to get into without a reservation for the most part. We last night walked right into Moderno, had no reservation, and were immediately seated. Uh, so, so, you know, yeah, the Haven is more crowded, but it's because they're making more money off of that section. 
Very good. I've been talking with staff writer Richard Sims. Great actually doing this in person, man. And uh, thanks again. And I will say see you next week, but I'll see you right now. All right. I'll see you after my nap. Breaking news as it happens online and on demand at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. You're listening to Cruise Radio, the trusted voice of the cruise industry. So Adam just returned from a five-night cruise on Royal Caribbean's Mariner of the Seas. It was a five-nighter over to Cozumel and perfect day. He joins us on the line to talk all about it. Hey, Adam. Thank you for having me, Doug. Yeah, man. I appreciate you coming on and uh, talking about your cruise experience here. As we always do, we're going to take a step back. So let me give, uh, get some pre-cruise thoughts from you. What made you want to take this five-nighter out of Port Canaveral? As with most people, Doug, this was one of those uh, pandemic cruises. This was two years ago. It was a birthday gift from my mother to me. Actually, she asked me. I'm one of those people that has a difficult time of asking, what do you want for your birthday? Mm -hmm. And my mother has never gone on a vacation. We never were a family that went on vacations when we were younger. So she hasn't been on a vacation in 40 years. And all I did was ask, I want to go on a cruise with you. And she was happily able to give me that birthday gift. And we were supposed to go last year and then rescheduled it twice. And finally, it was this cruise that we went on it. As part of that, as you know, we with the pre-cruise testing, we had a little bit of a hiccup. We uh, ordered the Proctor test, which most people have had not had a problem with. And on December 7th, it was the day that Amazon went down. So Amazon Web Services went down and we... And the Proctor tests, the Abbott Proctor tests are done through the Amazon Web Services. So they were down for December 7th. I immediately called my travel agents, tried to get them to uh, figure out anything. They gave me a couple ideas for where I could get my test done if they did not come back up in Orlando Airport we were flying into. But Orlando's testing services close at 5 p.m., and then I found another one at Walgreens at 7 p.m. by Port Canaveral, if need be, if that didn't work out. So the next morning, luckily, this web service was back up. Abbott testing service was back up. We were able to do two tests. However, the results for my mother's test, they lost. Ugh. So we had to immediately drive to the airport because we were late. We didn't want to miss our flight. And we just were going to just get the testing done for her at Orlando, if we got in on time, we did get in on time. Uh, she was getting ready for the test while I was picking up our luggage. And then after she paid for the test to be done, but not gotten the test done, her results finally did come in. They found her results for the habit test system. So we were able to get the refund. All was well. And we got our tests, but it just an interesting hiccup for both the Abbott test system and uh, just testing in general. And something we wouldn't have had to deal with two years ago either. 
No, not at all. <laughs> so you, at least you made your way to the Orlando and to the Port Canaveral area, and you go to embark the ship with your tests in hand. How was the embarkation process? It was actually fantastic. We had a boarding time of 1230. We got there at 1215, expecting to have to wait because of, uh, you know, set times. We got there. They said, no, just go online. You have everything. Go online. So we just walked right in and we were in even reviewing all the documents. And with my mother's uh, slow walking because she has mobility issues, we were in uh, onto the ship within 25 minutes. Wow. Okay. I'll just continue that because sort of on the embarkation process, they changed how they did the muster drill, at least from what I've heard. Mm -hmm. They didn't let you do anything. They marched you to your muster station. They said, what's your muster station? Go there. And you immediately went there. If you didn't watch your video uh, beforehand, they, you sat there and watched your video, but they checked you in at your muster station, asked you like three questions and checked you out and you were already done. You know, it's interesting they actually marched you there because, uh, so I've done 12 cruises since June, since the restart. And without fail, all 12 cruises, they do five, six, seven announcements. If you haven't done your muster drill yet, please do it now. We can't set sail until you do it. So it looks like they're saying, hey, look, we're going to make you do it right now before you get too carried away in the sauce. And it's perfect because there's no waiting. It's mm -hmm. everyone's, they, they've sort of uh, got people onto the ship at a set time spreading the time people getting onto the ship. Yeah. So they're going to the muster stations right as they get on the ship. It's actually perfect. You're done with everything. In this case, we were done with everything within 35 minutes and making our reservations for restaurants and, and shows after that. How was the ship holding up on the inside? You would not know that that ship is that old. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it looked great. I was very happy with it. It was clean. And I think when they came out of this, uh, this, uh, the stoppage, they made sure everything was as spotless and amazing as as ever. Did they say what kind of capacity she was at? I did ask. The ship holds 3,000, they mm -hmm. say, double occupancy at full, and they were had 2,200. Okay. All right. Not bad. So you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book for this five-night cruise, and what did you think of it? It's standard ocean view balcony, and we were very happy with it. Plenty of room, plenty of storage. Didn't have the USB chargers as an older ship, but we've had our our little technology to have a USB hub and it was perfect. How about the, like the size of the bathroom and storage space? Storage space was great. Bathroom was a little small, but mm -hmm. overall there was plenty of storage space, which is more than I can say on some of the newer ships yeah. that I've been on. A hundred percent. So let's talk about the dining on this five night cruise and we'll start up at the Windjammer, the buffet. How was it and how are the protocols up there as of December, 2021? Protocols were you walked in, they made you wash your hands, and they served you. Those were pretty much the protocols. Due to the capacity, only half the buffet was open, the one side and the back. The other side was closed. Overall, the food was good. Uh, we only ate there for breakfast mm -hmm. uh, on those days because we had the dining plan. And the breakfast was good, plenty of options. I prefer the, the dining room, but for a quick bite, it's, it's good. Gotcha. Now, and speaking of the dining room, uh, what kind, uh, what time dining did you have, and how was your experience there for your other meals? Since we had the unlimited dining plan, we did not experience the main dining room for any dinners. We did breakfast there once. Okay. Uh, we we like the breakfast better at the dining room than we did at the Windjammer. One other thing that some people would want to know is that twenty two hundred capacity. They did have Windjammer open for dinner. Gotcha. Yeah, because that's been a thing, like hit or miss on some royal ships where. Windjammer hasn't been open for dinner on some ships. So that's good that you I, said that. 
Um, I think it's two thirds capacity is what they said. And okay. Since they were two thirds capacity, mm. uh, they opened it. That makes sense. So did you do a lot of specialty dining all five nights? All five nights. Okay. So let's uh, give us the first one. We'll just kind of bang down the list here. Jamie's Italian. I think that was my favorite specialty restaurant. It's definitely my favorite specialty restaurant on Royal. It might be my favorite specialty restaurant on any ship so far regarding the quality of food and the service. We had a phenomenal server, uh, Yan Yan was his name. He definitely was my best server I've ever had. And the food was just really good. We had uh, Aaron, I remember specifically the Aaron Sini. The portion size was pretty small, but considering how much food you're getting, I'd rather it that way. Mm-hmm. It was probably the best Aaron Sini I've had since I've been, since the last time I was actually in Sicily. Nice. So it was very, very good. And all the meals there were good. They were like typical cruise. You want to try two things instead of giving me a full plate of one. They said, why don't you just do half, two half plates of both? And nice. I was able to try multiple dishes that way. Very cool. After Jamie's, where'd you go? We did the steakhouse, Chops Grill. Steaks were cooked to perfection, as always. And I could never complain about a meal of Chops. And then after Chops? We did a Hizumi Apache. Mm-hmm. That was good. I think we had a, a trainee for our uh, chef, but the food quality was good. He just took a little longer to do the cooking than some of the other chefs out there. How many tables does Azumi have on Mariner? I think I counted five, but five. again, I was just, we were tucked into a corner. Sure. Gotcha. So uh, it was, it was again, I don't quote me on the number. Sure. And then where'd you go to next after Azumi? We did Jamie's Italian and chops again. Wow. The Double headers. Yes. Nice. We did all that. Uh, we did do playmakers for lunch mm-hmm. one day and that was good. The only thing I would say that was negative of that, it was, I think it took us about 40 minutes to get our food, which is long for a cruise ship. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not really long for a normal restaurant, but, uh, you know, you get a little spoiled on cruise ships and how fast they serve you. Did you have the wings at Playmakers? Yes, I did. And they were actually, I was surprised at how good they were. I had the wings and I had the pork sliders and they were very, both were very good. Nice. Now, how about uh, any other places you ate around the ship, like uh, pizza, or do they have a like a promenade cafe type thing on there? They do have a promenade cafe. There's no Sorrentos. Uh, this pizza is served at the cafe. And the pizza was coming from, I live in New Jersey, and we have a lot of very good pizza options. I was actually surprised. It's a thin crust. It's pretty crispy. It was actually surpassed my expectations. Nice. All right. Well, let's talk about the entertainment. How was the entertainment on your five-night cruise? The entertainment was good. The one thing I'll say, it's not, if you're going into it expecting the entertainment quality that you get on some of their bigger ships, it's not going to be that. And they were also ramping up their production shows. This cruise was the first one of one of their production shows, which was like dancing through the times and singing. So their full cast was out there and dancing and singing different songs. It was good. It was very good. But it's not the same as if you would do uh, an Oasis class or one of those other bigger quantum class ships. It's not you're not going to get that same quality. Mm-hmm. The one show that did surpass my expectations was the ice show, though. So if you want to, uh, it was ice under the big top, I think was the name of the show. It was a very, very good show. All right. And how about around the ship as far as like in the pubs or, you know, piano players or anything like that? They did have a roaming piano player. He was going around. We heard him for a few minutes here and there. I always, my, my mother got a kick out of seeing it. What's he doing there? <laughs> um, so that was very good. There was entertainment other ships, but 
we pretty much stuck to the production shows and uh, restaurants and that type of thing because that was a full day for my mother. During the production shows, did you have to make any kind of reservations or was it just show up? You should have made reservations. They asked you to. Due to the capacity, unless you were going for an unvaccinated show, Mm -hmm. you really didn't need to. They weren't checking reservations except for the ice show. They did check your reservations, make sure you had reservations for the ice show. I want to talk about this, the vaccinated slash unvaccinated venues. So because the, if the kids are uh, under 12 and don't have the, the shot yet or what have you, so there's certain areas of the ship that are just like vaccinated people can go there, but it's dedicated unvaccinated. Is that how it works? For the theater, what they did was the balcony, which is level four, was for unvaccinated families. Okay. Any families with unvaccinated children. And the third floor, which is the main level, was for vaccinated. However, the one critique I would have at Royal was they did let everyone know, go here, you're vaccinated, wear your mask, whatever. But if someone was belligerent mm-hmm. and they were ignoring it, rather than confront them, they just let it go. So we did see children on the third level for one of the production shows. Gotcha. Let's talk about the sea days on board the ship. You weren't at full capacity, but how were the sea days as far as crowds and congestions? And did you see any parts where, hey, this might get crowded when we're at full capacity? Actually, yeah. We spent our sea days in the solarium and the chair hogs were out already. Wow. Okay. So uh, everything was pretty much filled. You know, it was just at that capacity where there were just enough chairs. Some people were watching and waiting but they did not have the sign out for removing towels if they're there for 30 minutes mm-hmm. because I think of the decreased capacity. If it gets any more capacity, they're going to have issues because there were some people getting a little annoyed. But overall, they were right on that fine line at that point with 2,200 people on that ship. Gotcha. Let's talk about the ports of call. You had two on this five-nighter, Cozumel and Perfect Day. Which one did you go to first? Perfect Day. How was it? It was great. My first time ever going there. Obviously, my mother's first time going there. So pretty much I did what she wanted to do, uh, not what I would have preferred to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was very happy to do it. We did. She wanted to do swimming with the pigs. OK, we did that. Uh, then we sat by the pool for a little bit. And then we did the up, up and away balloon. Both were good. I will say, though, for people ever wanting to do the up, up and away balloon, that thing is the most fickle excursion due to wind mm-hmm. if you book it there's probably a half 50 percent chance or you will either not be able to do it or you won't go as up to the top up to as high as it can go and go up to 450 in the feet 450 feet in the air wow. ours we were told that they were having problems go show up 15 minutes before if they had everything fixed or the wind died down that we'd be able to go up we were lucky we were able to go up but we were only able to go up 200 feet so, so a lot of people a lot of people had their balloon canceled that day. Was it half off for half the uh, distance? No, it no? was not. Okay. <laughs> you have the choice. They yeah. said you can get your refund if you want it, or you can go up. We're only going up 200 feet. Right. And we went up. Gotcha. And then you went to Cozumel. How was that? Uh, we didn't get off the ship. Due to my mother's mobility issues, mm-hmm. we stayed on, and we enjoyed a nice ship day with less people on it. You can't beat that. So you make your way back to Port Canaveral. How was disembarkation? It was seamless. We waited on the ship, so we didn't go with the mad rush. We had some time. So we got off probably around at 8 breakfast and then got off probably around 8.15 with 9 o'clock was the last people to get off. And we just walked right out. Gotcha. 
Now, when you walk through the casino, now obviously Royal Caribbean changed the rules of the casino smoking on December 17th for a little while, but on your sailing, there was smoking in the casino. How was the cigarette smoke in and around the casino? It didn't really emanate too much out. You Mm -hmm. could definitely smell it when you were in it. The casino was packed. It was full on every night and every sea day. It was full, I think, the whole time. It was amazing to see, but... uh, yeah, there, you could definitely smell the smoke when you were in it, and thankfully it didn't really emanate out. Your dining package that you had, the five-night dining package, was that part of your cruise plan, or did you kind of pre-purchase that as a package? Pre-purchased it. Gotcha. Was it much of a value? I think it came out to be $20 a day per person. Oh, that's not bad at all. That's really we, good. If the discount's high enough, then, yeah. then uh, I figured I'd do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Any first time tips to offer someone who may be considering either sailing Mariner of the Seas or going the perfect day for the first time? I would just say that particularly now and with the capacities going up, make your reservations for your shows because they may limit how many people get in first day if you want to get in, particularly if you have any children, you have unvaccinated, the unvaccinated shows, particularly the ice shows, I think they showed it once. Uh, So if you didn't make your reservation to get in, on that one show, you're not going to see it. Mm-hmm. So just make sure you get your reservations in. The app experience, uh, cruise lines are mostly forcing everyone to use the app, whether you like it or not. Uh, was it pretty intuitive and pretty easy to use? And did you find any issues of it being clunky at all? The only issue we had was day one. And because the reservation ability was not showing up for the shows. Mm-hmm. And essentially what they told, and this might be a tip for anyone going on the ship, is you need to log out of everything, reset it, and log back in when you're on the ship, and then everything will show up. Gotcha. So that was the only issue we had. Otherwise, it worked great. It was very intuitive. I think they did a fantastic job with the app. Let me ask you about the uh, the at-home COVID test that, you, um, that was proctored over the computer. A lot of listeners are, I get a ton of emails about these tests, and was it simple to use? Like, was this your first time using it? Did you find it very straightforward and very easy, the whole process, aside from AWS going down? We did. And then the fact that they lost, we found it very easy to do the test. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that they lost my mother's for a while was annoying, but yeah. it's the way to go. So you're not worried about trying to have a backup plan for a test at wherever you're going. Mm-hmm. That's a good idea to always have. But I would always rather take the test two days beforehand and just be done with it. Yeah, no, for sure. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise? Just going on a cruise with my mother and seeing her face going on that ship and seeing her going on vacation for the first time in 40 years. Wow. It was, she actually said she doesn't sleep very well a lot of times. She slept great every night. And your final thoughts of Mariner of the Seas? It's a fantastic cruise ship for the size. If you want to get started on a mid-size, what's considered a mid-size ship, it's a big ship. But if you want to get started on a cruise, get a taste of cruising. It's a perfect ship to try. It's four or five nights. It's a great, ideal ship to start on. Very good. I've been talking with Adam about his five-night cruise aboard Mariner of the Seas. Went over to Perfect Day in Cozumel. Adam, thank you so much for reaching out. And uh, one of those four cruises you have booked in the future, dial me back and we'll talk about it, buddy. Thanks, Doug. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got here, buddy. ba 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 da ba da Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net.
I'm your announcer. Summer camp is a magic place where kids discover who they are because they have the freedom to explore on their own. Why Camp at Horse Thief Reservoir is a sleepaway camp in the heart of Idaho's wilderness. Each summer, campers make friends, build new skills, and learn to love the outdoors through activities like canoeing, archery, zip lining, rock climbing, campfires, and more. Registration for Why Camp at Horse Thief Reservoir is open. Financial assistance is available. Learn more at whycampidaho.org.